Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, college football reporter for The Athletic and Fox Sports, Bruce Feldman. Bruce, how's it going? Good, guys. How are you doing today? We are fantastic. We just read uh, your column on Jalen Carter for The Athletic. Makes it clear Carter might have even been the best player out of Georgia last season. Obviously, he's going to be in the draft this year. Um, Bruce, I hated reading this knowing the Seahawks were at five. Like, knowing that there's not a world where Jalen falls to five. Or is there? Can you, like, give me any kind of hope? Any any kind at all? I mean, I guess, you know, like ESPN and Adam Schefter to report it, that the Bears may be in the market to to shop the first pick. I don't know how desperately um, the Seahawks would want to jump into that spot, but um, this is a this is a dominant defensive lineman who, you know, I, I, everybody I've talked to who's faced him and coached against him thinks he has got incredible versatility. Whether he's inside or outside, can do everything. Um, but again, that's a you know, that would be a big jump up to go to the first pick if, if, you know, if they really felt like he was an ideal fit for them. Bruce, um, obviously he's not going to be uh, participating at the combine. I think he's going to be there for interviews um, or whatnot. Um, when, he, when you're just going to be there for interviews, I mean, how do you sell yourself to these guys? A guy like Jalen Carter, you don't need to sell. You put on the film, he's going to sell himself. So when he's sitting down with these GMs and these head coaches, was he trying to convey to them um, that they don't already know? I think he's trying to convey what he knows about the scheme they they ran at Georgia, and also how comfortable they are in his approach to the work. And you know, I mean, that is a big investment. Whether you're going to be the first pick in the draft or the second pick in the draft. That's a lot of money to feel confident. I mean, the guy who was the first pick in the draft last year, um, he was at Georgia as well, probably had less production last year, but was a guy that they looked at from an upside standpoint and just thought, all right, this is going to be somebody who's, you know, for the Jaguars, somebody whose talent is going to shine five years, three, four, five years from now. I think in Carter, you got to believe in the investment, but ultimately, um, I think they're going to do their due diligence to say, you know, the medical piece of it, because he, he was dinged up this year. He got hurt in the early in the game when they played Oregon in the opener with his ankle. And then he had an MCL. And I've heard he should be in, you know, those should be fine. But as you know, it's just this is a big part of their process in the draft is, is what are we getting from a health standpoint as well with the doctors. Uh, your article had one specific section that was going kind of viral on Twitter um, a bit ago because there were character questions kind of out of nowhere for Jalen Carter. And then, of course, you uncovered that he had been uh, paying for lunches for a teammate that had been a scout team offensive lineman for two years before switching over to defense. And is this just something that happens during the draft? Like maybe teams leak out info to make someone slide, maybe uh, draft analysts just get weird information. I mean, where does stuff like this come from? You know, it can come from a variety of places. I don't know if this is necessarily that in the case of, of what really got a lot of traction um, in Carter's case was something that Todd McShay, ESPN's draft analyst had said um, when I sat down with Trey Scott, who's the Georgia defensive line coach, 
last month for a long time, we talked and he was like, honestly, I wouldn't even have known that Jalen did this in terms of like basically mm-hmm. picked up the tab for a, for the one walk on defensive lineman in their room to eat lunch with them every day. He goes, I wouldn't have known that if our nutritionist didn't kind of tip me off to it. He said, and I actually like that more than anything about it because this wasn't, you know, Jalen broadcasting, Hey, I'm right. doing this. You know, he just did it because he felt like it was the right thing. And so, you know, when I went to talk to the walk-on player about it, who benefited, he goes, I think it's ridiculous that, you know, people like this, like McShay had, had thrown it out there as kind of a, a I don't want to say a, a blind allegation, but it was just kind of just put it out there. And, um, you know, as, this, as, as the guys in the room said, you know, they don't know him. We do. And so I, I think there could be all sorts of reasons why this kind of thing can get traction, um, especially in this draft process when, as you say, different people may have different agendas for trying to slide in there. I mean, ultimately, the teams are going to do their own due diligence, whether they're comfortable and on somebody's character or not. But you're right. This story on The Athletic that we did the other day got so much uh, traction because I think people were like, wait a minute, this guy, like nobody had known about this story until, you know, we, we wrote it, but I think it just was something that kind of flew in the face of something that frustrates a lot of sports fans is just the blind, uh, you know, allegations or, or shots that somebody throws out there. And then it's like, who knows how valid it is. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And you know, when you break it down, you understand what people are trying to do. You're trying to make it so you can get a great talent for cheap. You know, maybe he slides down because um, of an allegation or whatnot. And we're starting to see more and more GMs and head coaches say, look, we're not going to the uh, the NFL Combine this year. There are other things that we can do. We can get all the information that we need by going a different route. Do you see a world where in five, ten years toward the attendance is down as far as prospects going to the NFL combine and attendance is even lower when it comes to GMs and head coaches going there. I could, because like you said, if there's a different, uh, you know, if it out outshines its purpose, you know, it's kind of become this marketplace of, you know, networking and everything else. And I don't know necessarily that ultimately, you know, that can be good for, for coaches and scouts, but at the same time, you know, is this the best, expenditure of the time for the GMs and the, and the decision makers. And that's, you know, that's something they got to decide ultimately. But I, I definitely think this is an ever evolving process. And with zooms and different things, how people can, can gather their information. I mean, this is only a small piece of really what goes into it. Uh, obviously we're talking a lot about the draft and about one player in particular with Jalen Carter, but um, you are a college football expert and I wanted to talk about some, some ways that the uh, areas where the draft might go, the wild card every single year, obviously Bruce is going to be quarterbacks. Do you see a potential run on quarterbacks early? I do. I mean, it's interesting because there's four players who, you know, each have some great assets, but there's also some question. You know, you have Bryce Young who on the field from Alabama has been tr- terrific. He won the Heisman in 2021. He's really smart, processes fast, good athlete, accurate, but he is small. I mean, there's no, you know, like Russell Wilson was short, but Russell Wilson was built like a running back, was, mm-hmm. you know, 
was not six feet, but also Hefty. didn't look frail. <laughs> yeah. Hefty. And, and that's, and that's not a, that's certainly not a knock in yeah. that context as a quarterback. Bryce, Bryce Young is a little more slight and that could lead to durability concerns. Then you have Will Levis from Kentucky, also in the SEC, huge arm, big physical guy, good athlete, but has been very inconsistent. Um, that, you know, in his defense, he uh, he had an offensive coordinator who just got to Kentucky a year ago, and then he wasn't there for the spring because he transferred in. So he had one year with Liam Cohen, and Liam Cohen does really well. They go goes back to the NFL, a new OC comes in, and it was kind of inconsistent. Anthony Richardson, even more inconsistent from Florida. What, you know, terrific athlete, huge arm as well, runs extremely well, but had also new coaching staff, was really inconsistent. Looked great against Utah, not so great, you know, most of the other times. And then there's C.J. Stroud, who had, a, you know, an excellent career, has better size, probably less durability issues than uh, Bryce Young. He's probably the safest of the four guys, to be honest, because he's done it on the field. Now, he's not a, he's a, he's a decent athlete. He's not a great athlete, but I think, um, you're talking about a guy who's been extremely productive in a really good system, but then again, he was surrounded by the best group of receivers by far of the of the four quarterbacks we're talking about. I got a um, self interest question for you, Bruce. I went to Washington State University, and the only guy on our squad this year who has a chance of getting drafted is Dayon Henley. Um, looked great with uh, Washington State in that Pac-12, an undersized in t- inside linebacker. What do you see in him, and where would you project him going? I love him. I mean, I remember I did something for the athletic about Wazoo going into the year, and he was one of the transfers that coaches were raving about. You know, he's an LA kid who who went to Nevada and really blossomed. You know, once he got to the defensive side of the ball, I think he fits really well in space because you can see him in coverage. I mean, he kept showing up. Like, I get it. You probably, you know, he. Would you want somebody to be a little bigger? Maybe, you know, but in terms of his ability to play in space, I think he's a guy who's going to be really good on special teams. He's going to be really good on third downs. You know, if you get him, if he goes, you know, somewhere after 50 to 60 in the draft, I think he's going to be a great value just because he makes a lot of plays and he is so versatile. I mean, I would much rather have that than the old traditional guy, you know, who's more of a box linebacker who gets exposed in coverage. This guy excels in it. I think that's where the game is right now. So um, they may not have a ton of players in this trip, but they have a really good one that's coming out. Hey, while we have you, I wanted to talk about uh, the conference, obviously, that both Bump and I graduated from and and cover most closely, and that is the Pac-12, soon to be Pac-10, unless they expand, I guess. Um, What's the latest that you've heard about any media rights deals, the potential of a TV deal for the Pac? From what I heard, the timing to look for is maybe in the middle of next month, if something will roll out. I just think it's right now, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to separate the rumors and the facts because there's very few people who are actually in the room negotiating. I mean, full disclosure, I, I, you know, I work for the athletic, but I also work for Fox sports and Fox sports is, is definitely, you know, is involved in this process. And so I think, you know, whether you work at ESPN or whether you work at Fox sports, it's, you really can't be involved in the, you know, in the reporting side of this because there's just, you know, you're just too close to it. 
Um, so having said all that, I mean, look, I, I think it's no secret that without USC and UCLA, the product, especially from a ratings poll standpoint, is diminished. The question is, you know, how diminished is it in the eyes going forward? Because there's still really good programs in it. I mean, obviously, you know, you have the two, really the four programs that are that are in the North, both in the two Oregon and two Washington schools, are at a high level right now, especially the way the Huskies played last year under Kalen DeBoer. You know, we see, you know, Wazoo, even with a lot of turnover, you know, I think Dicker did a really good job there. And, and what, look what Jonathan Smith has done at Oregon State. Look what Dan Lanning did this first year. I mean, that is, you know, that's definitely viable. And I think, you know, you have Deion Sanders coming to see you. There's a lot of buzz there. I mean, it's not without assets. It's just, I think, without the L.A. piece of it, it's just definitely kind of getting people to reevaluate what they're, what they're, what they're looking at. Yeah. Is there someone that you feel um, can benefit greatly from this combine? Obviously, you have your your Carters, your Anthony Richardsons, but is there someone who could go out there, run a fast time, do the shuttle, do something that will verify what coaches have already seen on film and, and raise a stock? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think there's the potential wow factor for Anthony Richardson and Will Levis for people to actually eyeball how big they are, how athletic they are, and how strong their arms are. I think they can, you know, validate maybe some skepticism right now. I think when you look at a guy like Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M, he's a running back with legit track background. I mean, he may be the fastest guy in Indy this week. And I think that was a program that was kind of spinning its wheels last year for Jimbo Fisher. I think he has a chance to, to get people's, you know, to get people's attention just because that can, you know, sometimes we get, we get too overinflated on just what a fast 40 time is. Some of those guys, you know, they used to be the Raiders would draft them and some of them you'd never hear from again. But I think he has a chance to, to follow up on that. Um, a guy to keep an eye on as it gets further along. Again, another Pac-12 guy, Luke Musgrave, the big tight end from Oregon State. He was a, a guy on my freaks list. I mean, he is a remarkable athlete, and he was hurt for probably half the season, and they still had a really good year. But he looked very good in the Senior Bowl. I think he's a guy whose athleticism is such where, you know, 255 pounds, runs really well, could be in the four fours. I mean, that's it's kind of insane. I think he has a chance to to maybe even fly into the first round just because his athleticism is such a such a draw drop jaw dropping thing. You mentioned Musgrave. Um, what do you think about Utah's Kincaid and um, tight end uh, out of Notre Dame Mayor? Yeah, I mean, I mean Dalton Kincaid's an interesting story. He was actually started his career at non scholarship University of San Diego at an FCS school. He was a basket, you know, kind of a more of a basketball player in high school, only played one year and then blossomed there, had two terrific years and ended up transferring to Utah where, you know, they've had a bunch of good tight ends and he, he went off against USC. I, I wouldn't be surprised because we, we see the way the game continues to evolve, whether it's, you know, Kelsey with the chiefs or, or Kittle with the 49ers. There's a bunch of guys in tight ends who I think can be just X factor guys. And you can see what they can do in the, in the receiving game. Maybe he ends up working his way into the late first round. I mean, Mayer at Notre Dame is a really good all around tight end. I don't know if he is the same, same caliber athlete as certainly Musgrave, but even Kincaid, but, you know, there's a chance he runs in the high four sixes. And I think given 
the success you've seen of from Notre Dame tight ends in the NFL. I think he's a you know he's a safe pick. It's just a matter of who's there and do you have a need, um, you know, when he's when he's available. He is Bruce Feldman, a college football writer for The Athletic and Fox Sports. You can read his latest, that a column on Jalen Carter. It's up on The Athletic right now. Keep a close eye out for Bruce's work as we round into the combine here starting tomorrow and then, of course, into the draft. Thanks so much, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks so much, guys. My pleasure. All right. Again, thank you to Bruce Feldman joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Headline number one the Chicago Bears are reportedly leaning towards moving the number one pick. The NFL draft. What's the real headline? A significant upgrade over leaning toward moving Justin Fields. Don't do it, Chicago. Don't. Bump, you got really upset about this last time we talked about it. I want to hear your take on, you know, them moving their pick versus Fields, but also on what trading the pick might mean for the Seahawks. What it means for the Seahawks is that there's a way. There's a way where... Stacy will be jumping into Lake Union. I'm not jumping into Lake Union because I can tell you right now, Jalen Carter there's, is not getting picked at number five. Hey, we just heard Bruce. Bruce. Bruce said it. No, Bruce. There's, there's a Bruce just, world. First of all, Bruce took my question and and tried not to laugh on air. I can guarantee you, being like, I guess if the Seahawks want to move up to number one, they can take Jalen Carter. Yeah, no, I don't anticipate it happening. I don't anticipate jumping into Lake Union. But what this does tell me is that the Bears are thinking with logic. Now, you have a talented quarterback. Find someone to groom him. He rushed for a thousand yards, number nine or ten in the NFL when it comes to rushing yards. Surround him with some pieces. If you're moving that number one piece, that means you should be getting two of them things in return. Mm-hmm. One high, one probably mid to late, mid second round, maybe late first round. However, you're trading the number one pick. The value was high. So now you're starting to think like a franchise that understands that you have something to build around. You don't go and get Bryce Young, mm-hmm. all right, because he's frail. He's a little guy. Yes, he has all this talent, but you got one already. So now they're starting to they're starting to make sense over there in Chicago. Think about who could move into the number one pick. Carolina's a quarterback needy team. They'd have to trade up quite a ways from uh, nine overall. Vegas is in there, I think, at seven. That's also a pretty big jump. I know it doesn't seem like it from seven to one, but it absolutely is. I mean, uh, Arizona doesn't need a quarterback, obviously. Houston does, but they're already at two. So unless they want to jump up to one to avoid anyone else taking exactly the quarterback they want, Indy's in there. I'm just I'm wondering who it would be that would that would jump into that spot. You know who I'm rooting for? My my sleeper team. Oh, the Panthers. Come on, Panthers. Get her done. Who would you want them to take? Ah, uh, they have the number one pick, CJ. Yeah. Yep. Fair. All right, what's next? Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Damian Lillard, just absurd last night. 71 points and a win for the Blazers over the Houston Rockets. What's the real headline? Congrats to Dame Lillard, who now knows what it'll take for his team to win a title. Just 71 points a game. 71. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. I'm not asking for much more than that. My dude was 59% from the field, 61% from three. If you look at these highlights, as soon as he sniffs the logo, he's thinking about pulling up and draining (laughs) that thing. He was so composed. You mentioned earlier, and my man had a bad day. Everything was all messed up. His timing was messed up. He forgot a jersey. He couldn't find the trophy. He went to the wrong. Like, the game was early. Everything was messed up, yet he found a way to do this. My main concern with Dame Dollar is that he becomes like the Charles Barkley of our era. What do you mean? 
never oh. win a championship. Yeah. One of the greatest. Yeah. Great, yeah, 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 yeah. One of the greats never win a championship. It's looking like it. And I don't mind if he goes ring chasing here a little bit if he has to. You go get it. Uh, I was looking up, because uh, Curtis, you were reading the thread about his no good, very bad day. Woke up late, uh, which means he didn't get treatment. He didn't have time to get his meal, so he ordered in, but the delivery person couldn't find his house, so he had to go out in the middle of the neighborhood and flag down his order. <laughs> Imagine being the delivery driver, getting to deliver to Damien right. Lillard, and then seeing him like in the middle of the road, like, hey, yep. it's me. Yep. Uh, he had to reschedule all this stuff. He forgot Sunday's game was a 6 p.m. start. His driver was scheduled to show up, show up at another time, so then he had to reschedule everything. He was supposed to bring the trophy from the winning three-point contest for the game, but he forgot it, so he sent it, uh, sends his mom to his house to pick it up, but she can't find it. It's been in the back of the Sprinter van since he got back from Salt Lake City. He forgets his HBCU sweatshirt for HBCU night, so has to go to the practice facility. It's just, it's everything is bad. And then it ends with, well, ah, best game in franchise history. <laughs> Things turned around. Yeah. I'll say Headline rewrites. Headline number three, the Rams have had trade talks involving Jalen Ramsey, and he's expected to be dealt soon. This, according to the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. What's the real headline? Question, is he willing to play for free? Because if so, do I have the team for you? Now, Rams, if you are not willing to accept any draft compensation whatsoever, and if Jalen is willing (laughs) to play for, let's say, an easy $2 million per year, I got a proposal. (laughs) Seattle, trade, let's say, a 2023 seventh rounder. (laughs) <laughs> for Jalen. Jalen is a phenomenal player, and I think that um, because uh, he's been a name for a while, maybe people think he's older than he is, or because he's uh, not uh, every single year a uh, just exceptional best corner in the game, people think he's washed or something, but I see Jalen Ramsey uh, not quite the same as Carlos Correa, but like those names where you'll have random Seahawks or Mariners fans that are like, why would I want that guy? Because he's great. Now, do you need to go out and pay for Carlos Correa? I mean, I would have liked to see it, but no, I get why not. Do you need to pay for Jalen Ramsey? You probably can't. But those are great talents. Don't discount them just because you don't like the Rams or the Astros. Nah, Jalen, could you imagine a world where Tariq is on one side and Jalen's on the other side? A healthy Jamal in the back, Quandre in the back. Like It would be beautiful, but that's probably not going to happen. He's going to require about $20 million per year. We just ain't got that right now. Here's the thing about Jalen. He's in a weird spot in his career. He's 28 years old, so teams aren't going to be so quick to throw first-rounders at him. I think if the if you if you do get a first rounder, it's got to be later, maybe next year, twenty twenty four first rounder. But um, anyone who lands this guy, you got yourself a lockdown corner for about four or more years. All right, uh, the spring training game is tape delayed, but it obviously is happening right now. How about this update? Evan White home run. Six pitch swung out and a high fly ball deep to left field. Going back, Benintendi to the warning track, looking up and goodbye baseball into the. Bullpen in straightaway left field. The Mariners bullpen, Evan White, with his first home run of the spring. Skies it out of here to straightaway left field. And the Mariners have a one nothing lead over the White Sox. That one nothing lead holding. That just happened. Bump, good to see and hear Evan White getting involved early. Man, that guy's been injured since 87, it feels like. <laughs> nice to see my man go yard. <laughs> All right, Kaylin Kaler. Kaler, who was one of the three authors of that uh, really fiery bombshell athletic article on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, is going to join us at 1 p.m. So we're going to talk a little bit of Russ at 1245 first, though. We'll look around the NFL. It's rule proposal season, and a new one has me interested. That's next. Bump and Stacy. 
powered through the Alaska Airline Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Perfect timing for NFL headlines because we just got breaking news from Adam Schefter. Bump Carson Wentz officially released. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! No. I don't know if you were expecting this one, but Washington has released quarterback Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, if you're new to football, then you probably are surprised with this. If you just started watching again since, what, 2016, 17? You're like, what? <laughs> you're like, okay, so in 2016, I was like, that's enough for me for one for one season. I'll come back in a couple years. I'm good to go. You know, Car- <laughs> you're telling me Carson Wentz is what? He's out of there. But here's Carson Wentz, man. He had himself a great run over there in Philly. The first two years, completing over 60% of his passes. 2018, he completed 69.6%. After that, he's just been banged up. you got to stay healthy again. Quarterbacks go through this transition. You're drafted early. You get every chance in the world. Boom, we'll give you three, maybe even four years to get things right. As soon as you get hurt, they're going to draft somebody else, and now you're playing catch-up the rest of your career. That's exactly where he is. He's one of the most recent Indianapolis Colts experiments. We see how they do with He really did get so many chances, though. Speaking of the Indianapolis, and not even chances just to like, oh, you're still in the league. Chances to be a starter. Yeah. I mean, he was with Philly 2016 to 2020, started at Indy for 17 games, went to the commander, supposed to be the guy there. They say, nah, we're good. We're going to draft the quarterback. It's just, it's all right. He's he's paid, so he'll be fine, but he's gone. Also worth mentioning that Jalen Hurts was not selected as like a a for sure successor. It was like, let's see if this is a project that's going to work out. It wasn't even like, let's take Jordan Love in the end of the first round. It was like this maybe work out, maybe won't, but I mean, like, like this guy shoot, we have won the national pick. championship. Yeah, let's see out what Oklahoma. happens. Let's go. Yeah, get you to a Super Bowl is what'll happen. All right, it is rule proposal season. One NFL team has proposed that roughing the passer be reviewable. Bump, I am okay with this ruling. There have been some pretty egregious roughing the passer calls that are really just like a quarterback gets tackled or sacked or yeah. touched. Uh, what do you think about it? Um, I think it should be reviewable. I think that there are plenty of times where these referees get this wrong. They are asking, in most cases, 300-pound men to freeze in the air like the Matrix and not land on the quarterback who you just tackled and lay him down gently. That's just not how the game is. I understand QBs are defenses a lot of the time. They're standing there, they're throwing the football, they're trying to make a play, but this is still football, and it's hard to control your body that way. Now, me, I dropped out of physics. Too hard for me. But something tells me physics yeah. that it just doesn't work. You're asking a man, momentum, stop, pause, lamb down. This doesn't work. It should be reviewable, um, but something tells me the committee is going to be like, we Did good. Did you take physics in college? Uh, Why? No, no, no. In high school. I needed it to uh, to try to get into Stanford. Oh, okay. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm okay. Stanford not, for me. <laughs> not a Stanford man. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you took it in college. I was like, I didn't touch any difficult math or science nah. classes in college. I took a class on rocks and I took a class on, uh, I don't even know, dinosaurs maybe. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, I was like, I'll stick with this. I really think I might have taken a class on like, uh, space. <laughs> like I was like, what's the easiest possible history class of rock and roll? In? I love that class. <laughs> 
All right, next up here, uh, let's talk Combine. Um, players will officially start reporting tomorrow. Uh, I know that a lot of you Seahawks fans are mostly interested in what defensive players do, so I'm going to start there, but I do have some updates on the quarterbacks as well. Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter will do interviews and a physical. Nothing else, though, is going to work out at Georgia's Pro Day. Tyree Wilson, who's been widely mocked to Seattle, is limited because he fractured his foot. He's out of the boot, but he's still doing only bench press. And then he's going to do drills and testing at his Pro Day. Yeah, when you are projected to be a top five pick, don't need it. You do what you want to do. Hey, you know what? Y'all, y'all meet me in Georgia, and you watch <laughs> me run there. When I'm in my comfort zone, when I have my coaches, I got. I'm in my facility. That's the the privilege you have if you go out and ball out until you're eligible. So good for him. You do what you got to do. Kill those interviews, and I hope that he walks away from that process and all the negative that we've been hearing about this young yeah. man over the past few weeks. It's just quiet because um, I'm hearing good things about this dude. Uh, All right, let me get to the quarterback portion of it. So the quarterback throwing drills are on Saturday. I know that the Seahawks taking a quarterback early feels like a long shot, but this is still going to be one of the bigger stories heading into the draft, so let's get to it. Quarterback C.J. Young, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson will throw Bryce Young will not. He's going to do so at his pro day. He'll only be doing interviews. Uh, Meanwhile, Anthony Richardson is doing all testing and drills. Everyone else is kind of in the middle. Anthony Richardson should do all testing and drills because he is the most physically gifted out of all these quarterbacks. Bryce Young has a great arm, championship pedigree, dudes a baller. C.J. Stroud answers some questions, says, look, I am mobile as well. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson need to do all Mm -hmm. that they can to bump up a little bit. They're not going to be the first or second quarterback taken, at least I don't think. But what you can do is impress these guys and have them make tough, uh, difficult decisions. I also feel like, Bump, this is becoming, uh, I don't know if it's a new trend. It's been something that's happening, but it's quickly becoming like, if you're going to be a top five pick, you'll do interviews. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll like... I don't know, do like throw a little bit, but you're not really doing anything. You're going to be like, come to my pro day where you can see me work with my receivers and my coaching staff in my indoor facility. And that's that on that. No reason to compete. (laughs) You've done all your hard work. Exactly. Uh, All right. So from the combine back to the NFL here, we're going to go to the AFC East. Devin McCourty says that Mac Jones is the Patriots quarterback of the future. Michael McCorkle Jones has been no stranger to criticism. Now, he hasn't been as harshly criticized as another AFC East quarterback with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's time as a starter, we think, is done with the Jets. The Jets are moving on. Mm -hmm. It's going to be Derek Carr or or. Rodgers or bust, right? Uh, But Mac Jones is, for now, the Patriots quarterback, and it's going to be hard no matter what to replace Tom Brady. You're the first guy after Tom Brady. Sorry, so sorry. Uh, But Devin McCourty says, you know what? He's better than you think. On Good Morning Football, he says, what I love about Mac is that Mac came into a leadership role as a quarterback and speaks what he thinks. I think what people don't always understand, in our locker room, Bill pushes that. We're in the captain's meeting every week, and Mac will say... uh, Oh, excuse me. And uh, Bill will say, if you don't like something, tell us and we'll throw it out. Because what's the point of players going out there and saying that as soon as the call comes in? I know we hate the call, but, you know, you got you to do it ahead of time. No one wants to uh, be in there with that. So he said uh, there were anonymous reports that Jones, quote, rubbed people the wrong way in New England in 2022. So McCourty was saying that that wasn't the case. Yeah, and you don't give up on him. He was a pro bowler his first year, completed 67% of his passes. Year two, struggled a little bit. You expect to have some ups and downs. 14 yep. touchdowns, 11 interceptions, about 3,000 yards. All right, this is the year where you see the bigger leap, the bigger jump. 
right? He's been in this program for two years. He understands how things work. He's been a professional. There's some familiarity. There's a different kind of confidence that quarterbacks get once they enter their third year, and they feel like this coaching staff has his back. Now you got guys like McCourty going to bat for him. I expect this guy to be a decent quarterback in this league. He's not bad. I mean, I'll say this. It it suddenly is kind of a tough division. You've got Miami. What are they going to do? Obviously, the Bills are going to be a force. We'll see what happens with the Jets. The Jets have a great team if only they could find a quarterback. You may be in a position where Max got some room to figure out who he is because he doesn't need to be the very best ever right now. You know, exactly. still got to build a little bit. Patriot kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Kaylin Kaler, who is one of the three authors of that Russell Wilson piece, is going to join us at 1 p.m. Before then, Russ and the Seahawks story felt like one of hubris. We're going to explain what we mean next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Mariners White Sox is going to be on tape delay. You can hear it on our airwaves following Wyman and Bob. I promised you guys that Bump and I would update you with any news items as they become available. So we told you about the Evan White home run. And at 1.30, we're going to kind of cover everything from the game that you need to know. Let me tell you what, Bump, my heart stopped for just a split second uh, when Julio ran to catch uh, what or to try to field what was it wasn't a uh, home run i don't know what it ended up being a triple maybe a triple triple uh ran into the wall briefly kneeled over like he was hurt my heart just got like right in my throat it ah, that's what it felt like yeah that's what happens you know what i say suck it up make the catch All right, give him the the dad treatment (laughs) but then then you get over there are you you okay though (laughs) we are (laughs) like a month away from people like oh julio's making $400 $400 million. you got to make that play, <laughs> oh, I you can't make wait. That play. Yeah. I cannot wait you know for that coming. moment. You know it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like people acting like they are paying Julio, like from their <laughs> yeah. own pocket. Like this truly that I got at T-Mobile is paying your salary, and you better catch that routine fly ball. No. Uh, all right. So thankfully he's fine about, again. I bet you they pull him. I bet you they pull him. Maybe. He's kind of grabbing his leg. He's fine, but um, we'll give you updates uh at 1.30, uh, including that Evan White home run. We'll have the play-by-play from that. Uh, before we get to it, we got some football to get to uh, now at 1 with Kaylin Kaler, and then obviously with 4-down territory bump giving us some X's and O's insight. Let's talk about Russell Wilson, though. That story that we're going to talk with Kaylin about, who is one of the three authors, was a bombshell. Not only because of the allegations uh, that Russell Wilson asked Seahawks ownership to fire Pete and John, which was new information, um, but also because of the insight into everything that went wrong in Denver. And Bump, I left I, I left the article. I finished the article <laughs> feeling like one of the things that stuck with me most was that Russell Wilson's biggest problem wasn't his age or his inability to run or learn a new offense. It was this kind of like hubris, this like ego that he had, whether in Seattle, you know, kind of uh, butting heads with uh, front office and coaches here or in Denver. And it's kind of like you can be really great, but sometimes you can get in your own way. It didn't surprise me now. It would have surprised me three years ago, I would say right now. The image I have of Russell Wilson in my head when I think of his personality, his persona, all that stuff is so different than from what I thought about Wild. him. My wife used to tell me, 
Russell Wilson, he's so great. He's this, that, and the third. And I go, okay, babe. Why can't you be more like him? Because I, I'm just, I grew up different. Why babe. can't you be and, more like? And, and sir, he's God fearing. <laughs> goes to church every Sunday. Why you know can't me. You be more like I go, Russ? I go to church. You know, every once in a while, sure. I pay my dues and all yeah. that stuff. Punch but, that uh, Christmas card. Exactly. <laughs> Easter, I got you. Um, but uh, you know, she would. I mean, obviously, jokingly, but probably half serious too. <laughs> and then I go to her now. I go. This is who he is now. And it's just a conversation, not even to throw it in her face, but just because I like to get perspectives from people who don't really even yeah. follow sports. You yeah. know what I'm saying? My yeah. wife does not do that. She don't follow sports at all unless my son's or daughter is playing. Mm-hmm. And just the way that we view him now, the way that we talk about him now is completely different. And it's because of the word that you introduced me to today is hubris. Hubris is the lesson I want to leave with the Russell Excessive pride or self-confidence. Yeah, sometimes to the point of like hurting you. Yeah, and there's a, that's the thing though. As an athlete, as a pro bowler, as a Super Bowl champion, you have to have some of that in you. But I think you also have to realize when it's detrimental, when it's messing you up. Now, we, we're going to talk to uh, Kaylin here in mm-hmm. a minute, and she'll point out to some... You know, a couple of examples or, or whatnot, and give us examples. And I think Russell Wilson wants to be the example. He wants, he's so ambitious. He's so driven. He wants to be great. He talks about being great all the time. And you can't fault him for that. But I also think that because he is who he is and, is, and people are in his circle that are, that are in his circle, there's yeah. no one really telling him to simmer down to calm down and maybe you should try something different. And I think that is what, unless you are Michael Jordan, Unless you are Tom Brady, unless you are Tiger Woods, unless you mm-hmm. are Serena, like the five or six greatest athletes of all time, somebody's going to have to check you. And I don't think he has that. And it's not just Russell Wilson. It's like, hey, Russ, there are plenty of other fantastic quarterbacks who were not as great as some of these other guys. Yeah. <laughs> and the point is trying to find a way to make it work. It feels like uh, what it got to be was him listening to some of the, dis- is dissension the right word? Dissent? I don't know. That was happening uh, here in Seattle. Uh, this was primarily following the wildcard game against the Dallas Cowboys, and it kind of ratcheted up from there where it was like, hey, they're misusing Russ. Why won't they use Russ more? And then it became even louder in 2019. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of 2020, they were like, finally, they figured it out, and then we know what happened after that. But I feel like it was him hearing a lot of that because people want to pretend like that criticism wasn't there, but it was. And thinking, oh, if I echo that, people will be on my side. Mm-hmm. And really what people heard was, wait a minute, wait a minute, I can complain about my team, but you can't turn it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's kind of like I can make fun of my brother, but you can't. Exactly. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, Russ, you're not supposed to do this. <laughs> like, who are you? You know what messes him up with that whole approach is that, yes, you are a Super Bowl champion. And there are some guys like Rodgers and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And Peyton was probably the most humble out of the three examples that I yeah. just gave him. But what does what does Rodgers have for MVPs? Mm-hmm. You know, what does Tom Brady have? Seven, Seven Super, Bowl. Super Bowls. You know, so it's like you're, you're striving to get there. On the way, I think he missed a couple of steps when I it comes agree. to just humility and uh, the grind and respecting people who give you an opportunity. But here we, again, I wish nothing but success for Russell, especially now that we don't play them and we've already we're going to benefit from that trade. Yeah. But how is he going to respond to this? How is he going to bounce back to this? You have to wait for it it to die down. You have to wait for another. This is one of those things where you just sit and wait through a new cycle. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can say to change the story. I didn't save you enough time for this question because it's a really big one. So we can get back to it after Kaylin, uh, if you want. Is there a world where it could have worked out with Russ in Seattle? Because I almost now, with the insight we have into this relationship, think the answer is no. Really? Yeah. I think there's always a way. I wanted it to be the case. I wanted them to figure it out. 
and just find a way to coexist. I'm going to figure it out for you. Okay. I got you. Let's talk about that a little bit after Kaylin before we get to four downs. I have a question about that, and then I have a question about what you saw from Russell, the player. Not just Russell, the person behind the scenes, but what you saw from Russell, the player in Denver. Uh, All right. Kaylin Kaler, who is one of those three authors of this bombshell article, is going to join us next. Don't go anywhere.